your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 411 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan in the heart of the desert in Paradise Valley alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains. And where to even begin? A very busy weekend in Sens land. The two Belleville Senators games. Pilsy and I had boots on the ground in Laval Friday night. And then the Ottawa Senators, of course, splitting their weekend series, losing 3-1 to the Leafs on Saturday, but making up for it in great fashion 3-2 3-2 victory over the Dallas Stars. So basically, this is a all you need to know about what happened this weekend. And we'll take a quick look ahead. We've got all week to preview. The Sens are off until Thursday when Brady Kachuk will make his debut against the last captain of the team. So we'll get into whether or not it's a good idea to name Brady captain before facing Carlson or you stay classy and save it for another day. So we've got all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Monday, October 18th and Pilsy. The Sens have won two of three without Brady Kachuk. Hey, what a way to start. I mean, a 2-1 and one to start the season off without your best player and your future captain is pretty damn good if you ask me. Now, sure, maybe the second Leafs game wasn't uh, how the Sens wanted things to go, but they get a game against Dallas the next day and they bounce back and look pretty good in my opinion. So really, like... Like DJ Smith said it, last season it took about 11 games to get to two wins. So to have two wins in three games without Brady Kachuk and without your projected number one starting goalie in Matt Murray is pretty damn good if you ask me. Dark days looking back at the 2020 start to the season. Although they did start one and one against the Maple Leafs, same sort of thing. Winning on the road last year though, this year winning in front of the fans at home now some people mentioning that it was a very sparse crowd on sunday i don't want to hear about attendance twitter right now the vibes are too good too early for that it's a five o'clock game on a sunday in the middle of a global pandemic and brady kachuk was not yet in the lineup i would expect to see a much bigger crowd on thursday not only because eric carlson will make his second return to ottawa but also Man, with Brady in the lineup, how can you not be fired up for that? And the way this whole team is playing. Let's uh, discuss Saturday's game first. Get that out of the way and then finish with the good vibes of Sunday. The Nick Paul revenge game, Connor Brown, all that we'll get into. Philly franchise, 9-1-2. Sorry, 10 games. He's 6-1-2 in the National Hockey League. Is that good? But Saturday night didn't go the Sens way. What do you think the biggest reason was for their inability to capitalize against the Maple Leafs? I I hate to do this to these guys, but the biggest reason and the biggest kind of downfalls for that game was the Zaitsev-Mete pair, right? Like, and it's... Dash three for both. And each of those goals, as I'm looking through my notes right now, each of those goals I've written down, uh, Zaitsev and Mete, poor defensive positioning, breakdowns like 
both times it seemed like someone or every time it seemed like someone was wide open right in front. And then the last goal bunting gets around um, Mete super easy just with a stop up and then slings it towards the net. So it's really unfortunate that the Mete Zaitsev pair has been that bad. And I'm glad that DJ Smith at least, at least switched it up a little bit. Although personally, I thought Mete played better than Zaitsev. Like Zaitsev was probably the worst one of the two of them. But when you have a veteran guy like that, you you got to give him a little benefit of the doubt and a longer leash than Mete got. So I, it makes sense that Zaitsev stayed in there. But for sure, that was, in my mind, the number one reason why they lost that game was poor defensive breakdowns from that pair. And uh, gets a game of inches, right? Drake Batherson at the end of the second oh period. God. Ottawa got momentum. Shout out to us for jinxing uh, Jack Campbell, we tweeted out saying Jack Campbell has never recorded a shutout against the Ottawa Senators and the Ottawa Senators have not been shut out in 67 games, a.k.a. 602 days. Three minutes later, Josh Norris <laughs> scores to get that going. However, at the end of the period, it would have been such a buzzer beating moment. And initially you think, did he kick it right? Drake Batherson sprung on a breakaway, makes a great move holds onto the puck, and then the shot hits Campbell, comes back to him and goes off his leg and in. But then it gets called back for offsides. Damn you, Matt Duchesne, still cursing this organization. He, of course, being the reason why the NHL adopted such a strict policy on offsides. But come on, man. Like, we can't be calling that back. Yeah, and that's the frustrating thing, right? You think it's it's a makeup for that kick in in game one that they didn't (laughs) call back? Damn, I would hope so, because that was an egregious kick. But the thing with that Batherson goal, and I get it, you got to call the rule book, whether you're offside by a millimeter or by a Matt Duchesne three feet, it doesn't matter. But th- this wasn't the reason this rule was brought in, right? To stop those offsides that are millimeters, right? It's the egregious ones like the Duchesne one that you need to be able to look back and, and overturn. But if it was going the other way, Sens fans would want that called back too. So that's fine, and I get it. But it was tough to see Batherson's face on the bench after uh, they they denied him that goal. He's just like, oh, damn, because he loved that play. That was one hell of a play for him to make that happen. But it, like you said, it's a game of inches, and that time it wasn't on the Sens side. It was not. And if you're watching on YouTube, I'm pulling it up right now because this happened, I believe it was like 2015, but look at that. That's the whole reason <laughs> why why the offsides are called the way they were. Matt Duchesne was not called offside on this play and ended up scoring. So that's the reason why yeah. we're in this predicament Him here. Him and Chris but- Kreider are two big parts of that. Chris Kreider has had some bad offsides too. I mean, when you have that speed, that'll happen. No question. However, if that had counted, you're looking at going into the third period tied at two. But instead, you go in, it's 2-1 Leafs and then... As you mentioned, not even eight minutes into the period, the Leafs get that. I'm not going to call it a cheeky goal. Give Bunting some credit. He started the play in his own zone, came out, chip and chase, and then really turned Mete outside in. However, I'm with you. I think that Mete probably a little bit better. Zaitsev was up at the blue line in his own zone on that first goal, but then on the second one, Mete chases behind the net, and it's an easy Bingo, bango. I think I flipped those, actually. First goal is Mete because uh, he left Simmons wide open in front and he got that chipped in. So you just look at how this team was defending in that game and it was not pretty. 
right? Overall. And you're, you're looking at all four lines, but those two guys really stood out in the wrong way. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely the worst pair of all of them. But if do we want to stick on the negative or switch it to positive now? Because I got a couple more negatives, but I got some positives. No, too. let's get the negatives out of the way. We'll okay. build on this show because it ends awesome, especially like Belleville getting hammered and then coming back the next night at home and really feeding it to Laval. But we'll, we'll wait for all that. Yeah, hit us with your negatives. All right. Well, to keep the negative train going, this was a absolutely brutal night in the faceoff tot Ross. Like 35% total. Norris went six for 19. Pinto, three for 12. Ugh. But hey, now that's that's all the negative I got. That's it. That's it. Now some positives. No, but let me get let me get a negative out of the way then too. Okay, you get a negative. The Sens were forty four percent in the face off circle on Sunday. That's something that just overall needs to improve. All right, yeah, yeah, not much better. But someone who was good in the face off dot Ross. How about Logan Shaw going four for five in the dot uh, in that game? So that's at least one bright spot there. And then another bright spot. That save that Anton Forsberg had on Jonathan Tavares was an absolute beauty again guess who the deep pair was that was out there that messed up that play and let a guy wide open i think it was mente and zaitsev so that's another bad one there but you gotta love it when your goaltender bails you out like that he flashes the leather on the backhand play and uh jonathan and tavares can't believe it and that was that was a really exciting one for all of us to watch like what a save for forsberg that was wild like forsberg's impressed me so much this season he's looked good he the has. goals he's let in, you can't really say have been his fault, right? Like, sure, obviously there's a couple ones, like the Simmons one was kind of a weak tap in, the bunting one was a shot from away, but like really the breakdowns weren't caused by him. It was the defense that really gave those opportunities uh, to shed some light, and he's been solid. Like that first game, he was amazing. Second game, he was he was okay. So let's see what he can do. I assume he's going to be the guy up against San Jose, so let's see what he can do there. Murray is, however, eligible to come off of IR. Don't bring him back yet. I don't think you bring him back yet. Like, give give him all the time he needs. And, man, like, we're jumping ahead a little bit here. But Philly franchise looked amazing last night, too. So, like, don't take him out of the game. No, I, I completely agree with that sentiment as well. And it was almost a classic TSN turning point, Pillsy. It was 2 nothing when he makes that amazing glove save on Tavares. And then, ugh. We already talked about it. I don't need to go back to the Batson goal, but it would have been amazing had that counted. That got me off the couch for sure. When yep. I, I just landed in Winnipeg and it was uh, it was a moment where you're like, okay, they're actually going to do this. And you know the fragile Leafs had that counted. They would have just turtled and in that third period. Speaking of fragile Leafs, before we move on, we got to get this in. How embarrassing is it if you're a Toronto Maple Leaf fan and you have $22 million worth of players that take – I must have counted six shot attempts on an empty net and neither one can bury it. But like, that is insane that those two guys, Mitch Marner, that guy lacks any kind of effort or, or drive or anything. He just is taking shots blindly with players right in front of him. Maybe try to get around a guy to get an open net. And then John Tavares can't score either. Like that was, that was the one shining moment for me. Yes, the Sens lost that game, but watching $22 million worth of players not be able to pot an empty net goal with multiple chances each was hilarious. And the fact that it was already a two-goal deficit. So it wasn't like one goal was going to change the game. It's not like Ottawa could go down and just score because I believe there was six or seven seconds left there. But how about 
the dedication and commitment defensively. I think it was Timmy that got in the way of the Marner shot. These guys are battling until the final buzzer, yeah. and you got to appreciate that. And I, I think that set the tone for Sunday's game. Yep. So let's head on over there. But first, a word from our friends at DirecTV. To finish off, though, 3-1 the final score. The Toronto Maple Leafs win that game. So at this point, the Senators are 1-1 on the season before they head back home. Let us head to direct TV stream. Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live. Another that lets you stream your favorite shows. You're watching sports highlights on your phone and you've got your neighbor's best friends login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle. It's a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called direct TV stream and it brings you live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before. So you can watch your favorite shows, movies, and your sports all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And that's not even the best part. You know what is? There's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. All right, Pilsy. So finally, for the first time since March 11th, 2020, the Ottawa Senators yesterday played a team from the United States of America. How refreshing was that? Oh, it was nice. Yeah, even though like the Dallas Stars, I'm not really sure where you'd put them. Like they're not Stanley Cup contenders, but also they I were in the final since the last time Ottawa played them. Yeah, yeah, true, true. But I don't know. Like, would you classify them as Stanley Cup contenders? I don't I don't think so. And they're no. not rebuilding. So they're kind of a middle pack team. So good, a good team to really go up against as your first kind of American team. And they've got some injuries too. Obviously, Ben Bishop out, but also more healthy than they usually are with Sagan there. But I didn't really notice much from Sagan. He didn't uh he didn't jump out of the page of me, but it was great to see a new opponent other than a Canadian team. That I will agree with for sure. Yeah. So they got on the board first, right? It wasn't long before Michael Raffle got the, the scoring open. What did you think of that goal on Gus? Well, and the frustrating thing with that, Ross, is the Sens were buzzing. Like, Shabbat had a great chance, and Norris almost, like, he was just tied up, and he couldn't quite bury that rebound. So the Sens were looking good. And then classic Sens, like, they start off, if and when they start off hot, the, the other team seems to score on their first opportunity. Like, how many times did that happen last season? You're like, yes, the boys are buzzing. Let's go. They get a couple chances. Yeah. And then a first shot for the uh, opponent, and it's a one nothing game already. So that's tough. But, yeah, with that goal, I've got a couple uh, notes here. So that was Michael Delzato. This is him getting in the game. And uh, him and Holden get stuck on the same side of the net. The puck goes around the net and raffles wide open. See, these are the, these are the things. Like, the goals that other teams are scoring on the sense – it's because the defense is bunched up, not in the right position, and the goalie's left out, hung out to dry, right? So I'm not blaming Philly franchise at all on that one. Yeah, and then good on the team to answer quickly, right? They get mm -hmm. their opportunity, and Nick Paul does it all right in front yeah. of the net. He looks like he's going forehand, spins around, backhand, upstairs. How nice is that for him? Because I'm sure he would admit it too. Saturday was not his best game. Yeah, agreed. Definitely not his best game. And there's kind of some pressure on him right now. Now that Brady's back, like his his spot on that identity line isn't really comfy and set in stone, right? Like he's 
he's got to kind of work for it. Otherwise, he could easily be bumped down to the bottom six, even maybe even the, the bottom line of this team. So he really had to show something and boy, did he ever. Like that backhand was amazing. I thought it hit the crossbar and didn't go in. That's how quick in and out style it was. But I think people need to remember Nick Paul arguably has one of the best shots on this team. Like, didn't he win hardest shot a couple of years ago? So, and like, he's one of those guys that can fly down the wing and just wrist one top shelf on a goalie and they're not even ready for it. So that's the kind of play Nick Paul has to get and good on him for getting that backhand while there's a defender draped all over him. So that was a great play by Nick Paul. And he, he really did a good job last night in his revenge game against the Dallas stars, convincing TJ Smith that, Hey, I'm a part of this identity line. I'm not just I'm not just one of the guys. Like I'm a key component of this line and I'm going to show you that I can play up here and not only just be a shutdown guy, but I can put the puck in the back of the net too. How about this line for Nick Paul? One goal, six shots, three hits, two blocks, a takeaway and he played 21 minutes yeah. and 35 seconds. Second among forwards only to the guy who had the first assist. And then he had two more assists after that for good measure. Connor Brown played 22-49. Almost as much as Shabbat. That's unbelievable. And you know what else is unbelievable? Talk about bearing the lead. We got to give some love to Chris Tierney. This guy, Mm -hmm. he took it on the chin going 30 straight games last year without a goal. But now, just like last year after the first three games when he had three goals, he's got it once Again, take us through his first and second, both on the power play. Yeah, I mean, the the, the first goal, this is when I started looking at betonline.ag to hop in on the Sens. Like when that double minor penalty happened and the Sens were buzzing, I was like, yeah, this is when I'm hopping in. And for once, I didn't mush them. I didn't mush them. <laughs> so that was a good feeling for me. Um, but yeah, on this double minor power play, Brown, again, with good work, he gets the puck over to Pinto. Pinto gets it right to the net. It goes up high, and hey, they they don't ask how. It's just how many in this opportunity with Chris Tierney, and uh, it bounces off his shoulder and goes in. Who cares how you do it? So he's got three goals on the season already, similar to last season, like you mentioned. Like If you're Chris Tierney, that's got to feel good because how many Sens fans, me included, already had uh, Chris Tierney in a Seattle Kraken jersey? And we're like, that's a great move for the Kraken. And for us, we can move on. It's not a big deal. But now, Chris Tierney, especially with the Colin White injury, he's going to be relied upon a decent amount. And it's going to be interesting to see if he can... Well, he doesn't have to stay hot, but he just can't go uh, Winnipeg winter cold on us again here in this season. So if he can stay average and consistent... Who knows what will happen with them at the deadline here, depending on where the Sens sit in the standings. How often do you see a player score two goals but end up minus two in the game? <laughs> yeah, that's definitely a weird one. But hey, power play specialist Chris Tierney. Speaking of that, I say that a little bit tongue-in-cheek, but in all seriousness, Tierney, Brown, and Pinto have looked really good on the power play together. Like That's a, that's a trio that I think DJ Smith is going to hold on to for a bit. Yeah, I'm so excited to see how things maneuver course day off today they play saturday and sunday so tomorrow we'll see a practice where brady fits in because during the morning skate saturday not a whole lot of guys on the ice and then at practice on friday he was just rotating through all the lines so you couldn't really tell what dj smith is thinking when it comes to where number seven slots into this lineup i think it's probably fair to say that logan shaw is the odd man out simply 
If you look at time on ice, all three games, he's got the lowest on the team. I found it interesting that Formy only played eight minutes against Dallas. Now, he now got they really uh, put down the lineup, yep. Yeah, but they didn't have to kill off many penalties. Dallas only had two of them in the game, so he did get his shorthanded time on ice. But other than that, yeah, I found that pretty surprising in a game where you think that a defensive-minded guy like that, when you're up 3-1 through the second period, you think maybe you get a little more ice time in the third, but that was not to be the case. Um, third period, when Joe Pavelski scored that goal, did you have much worry that, oh, oh boy, here we go? Or were you confident the guys would shut it down here? There was about six minutes left when he made it 3-2. I was a little nervous, not going to lie, just because that seemed like an opportunity where – like that stars team has a lot of talent. So like if you give them some momentum, like they can do some damage, especially offensively up front. So I was a little nervous there, but the sense they held it together. They ended up getting another good chance. Batherson and Stutzla had a great uh, give and go. Also, man, Faxa, that slash on Stutzla, man, was that ever a scary Brutal. moment? Because if I'm not mistaken, that was the same wrist that he had problems with earlier. So man, and, and you know, it's a bad injury when, Timmy was just holding it and he was looking hurt. And then when he got to the tunnel and thought the cameras were off him, he just bent right over in pain and was just like really looked hurt there. So that's when you know it's bad when they're trying to hide it. So luckily that didn't happen uh, to be a serious injury. He comes back in the game. Faxa gets a $5,000 slap on the on the wrist. Uh, pardon the pun there. So that's a good fine. And that's, that's something that really can't be happening in the game because – he hit him right where the glove ends and the wrist bone is right there with all his momentum. So that could have really done some serious damage. So happy to see him back in the game. And this kid every single night seems to be putting on highlight maneuvers. They're just yep. not going in for him. And I think that having seven in the lineup is really going to help him avoid the frustration that he seems. How many times does the camera go to Timmy and he's, he's slamming pissed. the door on the bench? Like, I love the passion. I'd rather that yeah. than have to make him want to go. But you have to understand when Brady's in the lineup, he just has that je ne sais quoi to him, right? Where he'll calm guys down on the bench and say, it's all good. Get him next time. So I think Timmy's been great through these three games. You look yep. at the chemistry with Drake Batherson, we tweeted at Send Central that it would be so easy for DJ to just put Kachuk back with Norris and Batherson. Which is what he probably will do, yeah. But how can you split up Timmy and Drake right now? They're too good together at five on five. The little plays they make in open ice, getting like give and goes. There's that play where Drake put it through his legs up and uh, yep. and found Timmy back right through the slot. Oh, so close. Kudobin just got a glove on it. But they're so in sync with each other. And this goes back to last year. The highlight, I would say, maybe definitely a top three, maybe the best play of the whole season wow. was Timmy's backhand toe drag, finding Drake cross seam on the power play against Toronto, wearing those disgusting St. Pat's jerseys. But they need to stay together. And that I'm sticking to that. So I hope DJ sees the merit in that. And if he does, I think that this team could be on the right track. So the Senators are 2-1 and one without Brady Kachuk in the lineup. They'll have an opportunity to extend that unreal record. And, hey, can we just mention that Chris Tierney has the same amount of goals as the entire Montreal Canadiens through three games each? Yeah, we're talking Cole Caulfield there, too. So, yeah. something to and, keep an eye on. And one more shout-out for this end team. How about that PK? The PK has been perfect in the last two games. The Leafs went 0 for 3, and then the Stars went 0 for 2. So the last five kills they've killed off. And then the power play on the flip side has finally been clicking. I feel like this is the first, I mean, yep. small sample size, three games, but this is the first time in a long time where 
one hasn't canceled out the other, you know, like it seemed like if the power play was doing well, then the PK was ruined. And if the PK was doing well, then the power play was doing drop passes to no one. So I'm glad finally that we're getting um, good support from both special teams uh, sides there, because that's crucial for this young team to win games. And uh, we, we saw it there last night. Coming up, we will have our Send Central Standouts weekend edition. So we'll just put together Saturday and Sunday's performances and then wrap up a busy weekend for the Belleville Senators yep. in which Pilsy and I were in the building in Laval, basically NHL arena. But Honestly. we'll get our experience and what we saw from the B-Sends coming up right after Pilsy. Why don't you take away our boys at Bilt Bar? Yeah, I mean, Ross, I've been on the road a whole bunch. You, you've been on the road and in the air a whole bunch too. And there's a great way to stay fueled, to keep your protein going. And it fits right in your backpack. It fits right in your pocket if you needed to. And get that protein bar from Built Bar Protein Bars. They're the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have so many amazing flavors. The texture is soft easy to chew. All the bars are covered in 100% chocolate. And Ross, when we were at the home opener, some of the listeners that uh, we met up with, you know, they had their jokes like, oh, where's the where's the built bars? Like, are you handing out built bars here? And they're just kind of joking around. And then some of them were like, hey, for real, like Pilsy, like, are these built bars good? And I, I told them straight up, like, this is not a this is not a front. This is not a joke. Like I legitimately love these protein bars. And I think you will too. So those sense fans that I talked about, you got to get in on Built Bars, and we have a great way for you to do that if you haven't already tried them. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get yourself a nice 15% off on your first order. That's a great way. Check out the mix box. That's definitely the way I would go if you haven't tried out any of these because all the flavors are amazing. So, guys, one more time, head to Built.com, put in promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your next order. It's Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Make sure you're locked on, Senators, wherever you download your podcast. We appreciate being your first listen when you're wanting a taste of Ottawa Senators content. You can also find us on YouTube. We appreciate the support there. We're on the road to 1,000, getting closer and closer until we can finally make a few shekels from that. So we're looking forward to it as well. And if the Sens keep this up, oh boy. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Just one programming note, as Pilsy mentioned, I'm in the Pacific time zone for the week, so the shows will be a little bit later. However, we will guarantee that they are in your podcast feed for your ride home from work. No questions asked. It's going to be a week where we look forward because the Senators are off until Thursday. We got, it was like when you hold the hose tight and then you let go and everything just comes out three games in four nights, start the season. Belleville goes back to back Friday, Saturday, and then calm. Belleville doesn't play till next Friday. Now someone's dad is standing on the hose and there's a kink. Yeah. However, the, the beauty of that is if you're on the team or a video coach, you've got now three or four days to go over what went well and what didn't. And I think there's a lot of both. So hopefully the Sens are using this time the way they should, and that is trying to get a little bit better before Eric Carlson comes to town on Thursday. That's a conversation I mentioned in the intro. Would you have a problem if they named Brady the captain with Eric in town? Just the way that the breakup happened with Carlson, it just it would just feel kind of weird, no? Not at 
all. I want them to do this 100% Ross. And not only do I want them to name Brady the, the captain, it doesn't matter that I want him to, that when he steps on the ice for this season, they could be playing the Arizona Coyotes and I would want them to do this. But the fact that it's Eric Carlson and the Sharks is even better. And you know what else I want them to do, Ross? Guess who needs to bring out the jersey with the C to him? Why not get Josh Norris and Tim Stutzla to bring the jersey <laughs> over the two guys that they got in that trade with the captaincy and, and Tierney, his we best can, friends. We yeah, can't Tierney forget skating Tierney. out there too. Yeah, I mean, leading goal scorer, he, he should definitely be there. But That's I think savage. that would just be classic. That reminds me of, um, I forget when it was, but the Washington Redskins tw- traded away like a million well, picks to get RG3. Fo- this, is when, this is when they were the Redskins, the R-words, well, we'll, I should We'll say. blank that out, yep. Yeah, the R-words. <laughs> but they traded like a million picks to get RG3, and then I think it was the Rams, the first time they played him, they brought all the picks and players that were acquired in that trade out to the coin toss. So nice. that's the kind of vibe I'm looking for here. Like, why not dig a little deeper? Like, you, you guys, uh, the Sharks fans, and um, some Sharks fans are, uh, they still maybe think that they won that trade but uh definitely definitely i want them to put some salt in the wound here have a little fun with it why not who cares it's the san jose sharks <laughs> i love it although they should be thankful the that they ended up tanking the way they did or else timmy would not be an ottawa senator crazy to think yep. back of timmy perfect transition that he will be one of my sense central standouts for the weekend and although he did not find the, the back of the net, he is just so electric to watch. He's on the ice, everything happens, right? He's only got one assist through the three games. It was in that opener on Thursday on the power play. But the way that this guy is trending, it's just going to be a matter of time. Like he could explode for a hat trick next game. And I wouldn't even think twice about it. It wouldn't surprise me at all. So I've got Timmy among a few others, but we'll go back and forth. So I got Timmy and uh, well here, I'll tell you one more for now, because I feel like we just have to pump this guy's tires over and over again. But Chris Tierney, holy, (laughs) what a start. There you go. And Ross, you know, Tim Stutzla is a breakout candidate player when he, and I'll try to get the pointing right here. Yep. When he has now taken Dominic Hasek out of the frame jersey, and now Tim Stutzla is protected in a shiny, shiny jersey holder, and he deserves that. And, man, the number 18 jersey, there was a bunch of them out at the Canadian Tire Centre. The fans love him. It was our first time getting to see him live as an Ottawa Centre, so that was great. And, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I wouldn't doubt it if he explodes very soon here because the chances are there. Like, he's pulling off amazing plays but he just can't quite get it. So Stutz is a great one. And this is definitely a, a more minor uh, Central standout, but shout out Parker Kelly, man. Like anytime 45 is on the ice, even though he gets limited minutes, this guy is going balls to the wall. And like there was a play where I think the puck was just kind of like, uh, like trickling back and he like skated into a massive one-timer. I think the goalie saved it. And the first guy to get the rebound is Parker Kelly. Like, he's not sitting watching a shot. He's not hanging around. He's not getting into, into trouble, getting distracted. He is focused. He's got tunnel vision on that puck. He's finishing his hits. So I think definitely it's probably going to be Logan Shaw going back to Belleville, which, I mean, is good. Belleville should have their captain, for Christ's sake. So it's definitely a good idea. And Parker Kelly has really shown that with limited minutes, he's willing to put out a good effort and shift after shift. 
he's going to be out there disturbing the shift disturber. So Parker Kelly is definitely one of my standouts. Absolutely. And I'll give another shout out to Shane Pinto, who played a career high 21 minutes and 12 seconds. Yes, the faceoffs still aren't where they were in college. He was 30% against Dallas on Sunday, but he had an assist. And what I loved about him is the defensive responsibility. It was in the first period. He had a great defensive play. And Talk about fines and facts that definitely deserved it. What happened to the crackdown on cross checks? Jamie Ben gave him a pretty nasty one right off a of faceoff. So yeah, I don't know Jamie about Ben. That. They, they gotta watch him for that. That's something that he does a bunch. And like he's that's a big dude. Like that guy cross checking. Like that's gonna that's gonna hurt. That's gonna leave a mark. So how about and, his and I think it did. That was on uh, Tierney, and I think Tierney later you saw him like holding his shoulder and stuff. So I think it did did hurt him. But yeah, to the scrap. Not a boy brownie like that. Yep. Uh, that's right off the was, bat too. What two minutes into the game? Yep, and uh, you, got, you gotta love that trade off. Five minutes of Josh Brown in the box for five minutes of Jamie Ben in the box. Yep. Yeah, we'll take that all day long. And that fight at first looked a little boring, like both guys feeling each other out. But then I forget who slipped first, but one of them slipped on their hold, and then it just broke all loose, like a cut, like. Jamie connected uh, with Josh and then Josh popped him back right in the face too. And you love those fights where you're getting punches for punches. And then at the end, both guys are just like, man, I'm exhausted. How about you? Yeah, I'm exhausted too. And then you just kind of hug it out and tap each other. Like that's when you know it's a good fight. There's respect on both sides. So that's what you love to see. Absolutely. You also love to see the Senators end the weekend on a high note, just like the baby sends, Pilsy, as we transition over as we transition from Ottawa to Montreal on Friday to go see the game live. What were your takeaways now looking back at our experience there? Well, if you're talking about experience, let's let's start with the barn because uh, if anyone has uh, been on Twitter, Instagram, anywhere, Ross's video of that barn blew up. <laughs> Tim, Tim and friends picked it up and just the crowd, the Laval crowd at Place Bell was absolutely insane. That barn is beautiful. The, the intro show was sweet. Maybe you could have used a little less fireworks because that was a smoky building. You would have thought everyone in there was smoking darts with how foggy it was, but that was not the case. And the experience of the arena was great, Ross. Pause. Now, the the Belleville Senators experience. First period on, was good. Uh, good is generous. It was okay. Well, it was okay. But the Belleville Senators performance, Ross, we talked about this off air, was arguably one of the worst on-ice performances you and I have seen the Belleville Senators ever play. Like, it was, it was downright embarrassing after that first period. There was... Nobody was looking good. Matt Sogard, man, that stanchion goal just killed him. And as goalies, Ross, we know, like, when something like that happens early and it's your first game of the season, that can get in your head. And I hate to say it, but shout out the Laval crowd. They really got the Sogard chance going. And I think I think it really affected him, as it should, when you got a packed barn screaming your name after you just let a bad goal in. Then the defense, again, Baby sends the apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree here with the the NHL team. The defense just left him out to dry. There was a breakaway where I think it was actually JC Bodin. Oh. JC Bodin absolutely undressed Sogard. Like Sogard's jockstrap is probably still hanging in Plas Bell in the rafters because it was just a mess and he was pulled after that. And like Sogard, that's a guy you expect to play lights out. Didn't happen. Another guy. 
I said it on the podcast before, I expected to be absolutely dominant, was one of the worst players on the entire team. And that was Eric Brandstrom had a abysmal game. Like just, I don't, I don't know how many synonyms I can uh, have to describe how bad Brandstrom's game was. And it, it was not the way you want to start off your AHL uh, season when you're trying to prove to management that you're ready to be a top four NHL defenseman. He got absolutely hammered. Yep. In the first period. Oh, yeah. And that, that's something we've talked about year after year with him. He cannot find a way. And as a smaller defenseman, like Carlson was so good at this. Avoiding getting hit hard. And he, it happens all the time to him. And this one, the place absolutely erupted. They scraped him off the ice, basically. And he, it sucks because you see the flashes of potential when he gets the puck in his own zone. He's weaving through neutral ice. He can stop up and have a clean zone entry. But... Man, there were a few breakout passes that just completely missed the stick, went for icing, and you're like, what is going on here, man? To me, Lassie Thompson was the best defenseman on the ice, and he continued that on Saturday. The Tom Bomb. We, we said finally in the off got season, one. We said in the offseason, if we see more Tom Bombs from the point, this kid is going to make himself an absolute stud at the NHL level because he's really transformed his game from in junior in, in uh, the Western League to being an offensive defense, but to then going over to Finland and learning more of the gap control, that sort of thing. Now, he, is he putting it all together? He might. It took him all last year pretty much, but now, like to me, he was the best defense easily on the ice. JBD looked a little hesitant. I would say passive describes him, but that's scouts say that's just kind of how he plays. That's his game. Yeah. He's a very simple defenseman. I think that he's going to need at least one, maybe two full seasons in the American League, but... I did still see the skeleton of what will make him a top four defenseman in the NHL. Yep, definitely. And yeah, the, the Sens decor, even in Belleville, is very young. Like, uh, I mean, I, I tend to think of Jonathan Aspero as a veteran, but he's also one yeah, of the like guys 22. In, is in his early 20s, right? So this is a young, young decor, and they're going to have nights where they don't look great. But like you said... Lassie Thompson looking better. JBD is he's he's got some time to figure out this game, right? Like this is only his uh, what is this his first? Yeah, no second. That would have been his second game. Did he play in Laval or no? Who? JBD. Yes. Yeah, he did. Right. Okay. So he's only had a handful of games in Belleville. So he's got to get used to this league as defenseman. The AHL is a lot different than Belleville. Like it's a little. I hate to say it. It's a little more sloppy, right? The guys you're playing with aren't as. Uh, kind of fine-tuned and precise. So there's a lot more mistakes you got to cover up for, definitely. And, hey, if we're doing uh, Sense Central standouts for for Belleville, you got to shout out Jake Lucchini. Like, this Ooh. guy gets traded from Laval to Ottawa, and then he scores two goals against them uh, in the other game. So you got to love that. Sogard bounce back. Like we mentioned, the Tom Bomb's been good. And, hey, a, a guy that we didn't really expect to have an impact, but I've liked their game so far, Ross. How about Matthew Wedman? He scored a couple goals. He scored when we were there, and he scored last night. So you got to love that. Big kid. Big kid, too. I yep. like him. He's still on a PTO right now, so we'll see how his – I bet uh, he gets signed. I hope so. He yep, didn't do anything to, to prove otherwise. So I, I really liked him. And on Saturday, I didn't get to catch this game, but just looking at the, the score sheet, right, 5-2 victory. You look at uh, after allowing five goals on 17 shots, then Mad Sogard comes back and only allows two on 26. Troy Mann afterwards said he made a great breakaway save early on in the game. That set the tone for him. And as you mentioned, his night ended on Friday due to a bad breakaway goal. Yeah. And he opened him up. He was opened up by J.C. Bode, but 
you got to think if that's the last action he saw and then now first period another breakaway comes down you're like oh no here we go again so great mental strength from uh mad sogard to keep strong and look good man so i I like how both games right because we don't do shows on the weekend that we get to end on a positive note with both of them because it was a tough game in laval and honestly I would not have hammered the money line as hard as I did if I knew that the atmosphere was going to be just that. And it was absolutely banana lands in in that barn. And I, I wonder if it's like home opener only or or whatnot. But one thing, don't put fireworks indoors because the, the whole barn was just smoky for the first period. Yeah, they like respect the They got a little excited. They got a little yeah, excited. You you went a little too far with that one, Laval, but uh, I I think they'll learn for next time, that's for sure. But yeah, shout out those fans. They were wild. Yeah, so uh, a successful weekend, would you say, overall for the Sens organization? Absolutely, yeah. Like, sure, sure. the the first game that we were at in Laval was absolutely brutal, but hey, they bounced back, and it was a good bounce back too, right? Like, it's not like they snuck like a 1-0 win or something out. Like, they dominated that game, so that was good. And uh, and then the same with the Sens. Like, sure, not a great performance up against the Leafs, but also they didn't get they didn't get destroyed there. And then they have a really good performance up against a good American team in Dallas. So I think it was good. And hey, if you're gonna if you're gonna suck, suck on the road and be good at home. So they got their home records two and zero. So Sens fans, get out to CTC Arena to watch those Ws. We've got a full week of preview ahead. We could have a very special interview as well. So stay tuned for all that and more but for today we say goodbye thank you for making us your first listen and a reminder you can follow us on social media at send central on twitter at locked on dot senators on instagram our personal handles if you're watching on youtube right there i'm at ross levitan and pilsey is at brandon pillar and for brandon pillar i am ross levitan this has been the locked on senators podcast your team every day